I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 557 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I got a very special guest returning to the podcast today. Navy SEAL Mike Ritland is back here with me on First Class Fatherhood. Mike is a 12-year Navy SEAL combat veteran. While on one of his deployments with a group of Marines in Iraq, a combat canine saved the lives of the Marines that he was with, and that incident changed the course of Mike's life forever. Uh, once he got out of the military, he used his experience with the most elite dogs on the planet to start his own dog company, Tricos International. Tricos became a highly reputable dog training company that specialized in providing working canines with a multitude of clients, including celebrities and government agencies. Mike is also the founder of the Warrior Dog Foundation to prevent euthanization and provide care to retired working dogs who have served our nation. Mike has got a brand new book out now titled Unfuck America, A Respectful, Open-Minded Conversation. It is a timely and one of the most important books, I think, written this entire year. We're going to dive right into that and so much more. Mike Ritland will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Mike Ritland was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the Navy SEAL and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys have been listening to the podcast long enough, you know that I have been honored to have been joined on here by so many Navy SEALs, including Jocko Willink, Marcus Luttrell, Rob O'Neill, Andy Stump, Medal of Honor recipients Michael Thornton and Ed Byers, and so many others. Over 60 Navy SEALs have stopped by the podcast here to talk about fatherhood and family life. Go through the archives of the podcast and check them all out. And guys, we know that the cancel culture is alive and well. They have canceled Mike Lindell's MyPillow from almost every retail store. He's passing that savings on to you with the lowest price in history on his classic MyPillow. The pillow that used to go for $69.98. You can use the promo code right now, fatherhood at MyPillow.com. And you're going to get the classic MyPillow for $19.98. That's a $50 savings. There's over 150 other products on the website. Use the promo code fatherhood at MyPillow.com. And you are going to save up to $60. 66% on your entire order. Uh, So take advantage of that while it lasts through the holiday season here. Get your Christmas shopping done early. Be sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. If you're enjoying the podcast, please send me with a rating review. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Mike Ritland. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I got a couple of ways for you guys to help support the podcast here and save some money. As you know, Christmas shopping season has started once again. And right now, MyPillow has got the lowest prices in history on their original MyPillow, the pillow that started it all. The normal price is $69.98. But right now, if you use the promo code FATHERHOOD, you're going to get it for $19.98. That's right. Save $50 on the original MyPillow. Go visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. All right, and secondly, as you know, the NFL season is now heating up. The NBA and the NHL are underway. Take your kids to the game in person the way it's supposed to be and save $20 on your tickets at SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and plug in the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Go to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS and save $20 on your tickets. All right, just a quick recap. MyPillow.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. 
SeatGeek.com, promo code FIRSTCLASS. Two ways for you guys to save money and help support First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Mike Ritlin. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All right, let's get a quick uh, hitter here on the kids. How old are they now? How are they doing? Uh, they're doing well. They're uh, 16 and 14, uh, so they're you know right at that tender age of knowing everything. And and uh, but they're they're both great kids, and and I couldn't be excuse me happier with the relationship that I have with both of them. So uh, it's all all good on the home front. Very cool. Yeah, my two oldest are 15 and 14, so I'm right there uh, in the battle with you. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, every age is a tough age in its own way. Um, and I was I was kind of reflecting on it just the other day. Is that <clears throat> thinking about the entire path of being a dad? And uh, you know, so, somebody had asked me, you know, to do it all over again. Would you Would you do it the same way or, or whatever? And to me, it's a pretty simple answer. I mean, I, I've never thought to myself. No, I wouldn't wouldn't have kids, you know, given the opportunity. Uh, you know, that thought has certainly never crossed my mind. But it did make, make me think that it's it's an interesting dichotomy and in that, um, you know, the, the highest uh, or, or the highs rather of, of being a parent are the highest of my life. I mean, compared to everything else I've done, the, the good times with the kids uh, just outclass everything else I've ever done. On the transverse, though, the, the low times are absolutely the hardest times I've ever had also, even compared to being to war and, and, you know, the stress of being an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, all of the, the adult things that you deal with, you know, whether it's losing friends or, I mean, whatever it is, uh, you know, so it, it's interesting that, uh, that on both ends of the spectrum that, that, uh, you know, that it kind of takes the cake that way. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's, it's an amazing experience, but, uh, but it's, it's exhausting. I think, just trying to do it right. I won't even say doing it right. You know, just trying to do it right is the hardest thing uh, in the world, I think. But I also uh, am very convinced and feel confident in saying that it's it's the most important thing because that that is the next generation. And uh, if you screw that up, then we're all we're all out of luck. Yeah, very well said, Mike. And, uh, you know, listen, the, the listenership has grown tremendously here since the last time you've been on. So if you could just take a minute here to hit the listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Uh, so I spent 12 and a half years in the SEAL teams, uh, was in Iraq. Uh, as I was getting out, uh, I was faced with the decision to either stay in and be a dog handler or get out and start my own dog company due to a uh, an explosive detector dog that was a, a marine bomb dog uh, when I was in Iraq that kind of shaped uh, and influenced my desire to want to get into working dogs, even, even having grown up with a lot of uh, hunting breeds, etc., and so for me, that was a tough crossroads decision, but I decided to, to get out, start my own company. I ended up coming back as a, a trainer for the West Coast SEAL multi-purpose canine program. Uh, you know, after my time there, I uh, came back here to Texas and just focused on my company and, and uh, wrote a few books. And uh, that's when the 60 Minutes piece came out. And, and, uh, and then that kind of led into selling personal protection dogs, starting an online training uh, platform, uh, which led into now what I focus primarily on, which is the dog food, dog treats, and, and the dog products, as well as the online training. So uh, the book that, that I'm on here to talk about today was was really a, uh, uh, I would say, a, a manifestation of all the conversations I've had on my podcast, which is a mic drop. And just, you know, in talking with all these different 
subject matter experts in all these different fields of expertise, it really made me realize that, you know, there's there's the media narrative and then there's what's actually going on, um, you know, and, and they're pretty disparate in terms of, of how different, the, you know, it, it's kind of presented to the public. And so I, I wanted to to write on that and say, you know, from a data standpoint, here's what's actually, you know, kind of the big picture items that plague our country and, and that are the, the, the biggest danger, frankly, to our society. Here's how they got to that point. Here's how we fix it as a society. Here's how you can actually do something you personally. Um, and so that's that's really where it stems from. Uh, one thing that I, I failed to mention along this entire process of my professional career is the Warrior Dog Foundation, which I certainly don't want to leave out. Uh, back in August of 2010, I, I founded the, the Warrior Dog Foundation, which was a 501c3 that, uh, you know, we take in former uh, working dogs, whether they're military working dogs, police dogs, uh, Customs, Border Patrol, Federal Protection Services, you name it. And uh, and so that's been a really, really neat project. Absolutely a labor of love. Uh, and I've got a, a team of people that uh, that are just remarkable that, that help out tremendously there. So, uh, you know, for anybody that wants to learn more about that, it's just warriordogfoundation.org. But, uh, you know, we run off of all, uh, you know, private donations. Where there's, there's no federal funding or grants or anything like that. Not yet. We're, we're hoping that uh, at some point there will be. But uh, so, you know, it's it's the generous nature of, of the, the public that, that gives us the ability to, to continue that mission. Yes. So cool, Mike. I'm going to drop a link uh, to the foundation as long uh, as well as a link to the book in the description of the podcast episode. And I love what you're doing as we're speaking here. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. So it's an honor for me to have you back today. Uh, you know, and yeah. thank you for your service as always. And, and let, let me just jump into this here. All right. The, the book, Unfuck America, a respectful, open minded conversation. Now, those three words in the title really strike me. There it is. Yeah, it really uh, respectful, open minded conversation. Those three words don't really seem to ring true in the minds of so many people today. It seems almost impossible to have a conversation that is respectful and can be open minded. Uh, I, I don't recall ever in my lifetime the political atmosphere being so toxic the way it is now. And it's involved in every fucking thing, Mike. It's sports, yeah. entertainment, medical, parenting. Everything is political. So yeah. uh, what's your take on all this? Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's uh, one of the benchmarks of the book is I talk about removing a few things when you enter into every conversation, as well as having a certain mindset, which is removing religion, politics and emotion. Uh, you know, it, it's hard for, for people, especially if they're, uh, you know, faith based individuals to, to remove themselves from the religious aspect. But it is important. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to ditch your values. Uh, it just means that you can't let religion influence uh, you know, your your side of, of whatever argument, because as soon as that happens, and this is this is everything, it's religion, it's politics and it's emotion, is that all three of those things make a, a very biased, uh, you know, in a non-objective viewpoint, um, you know, and it's very apparent when you see, you know, people arguing on social media or on, you know, mainstream media or uh, you see, you know, opinion editorials in, in uh, you know, any newspaper across the country. Uh, talk show hosts, you name it, you know, their agenda uh, becomes very apparent. And as soon as that's apparent, you know, whoever uh, agrees with them is just going to say, yep, it's the echo chamber. I agree. And, and is not going to you know, push back or challenge any of those positions. And the transfers, you know, people that oppose them aren't going to give them a fair shake either, you know. And, and so anytime any of us go into a conversation, there, there has to have that 
that kind of baggage dumped at the front door. Uh, the other thing that's just as important is, is when I talk about the op open mindedness, you know, that gets thrown out a, a lot. You know, hey, have an open mind. What does that really mean? To me, you know, that means that when you go into a conversation, let's say you and I start talking about something that we both feel very passionate about, or, or I know you and I are going to debate on something, I have to go in there with the prospect that I might be wrong. You know, because when, when you don't, then the exact same things happen. You, you dig in your heels, you're not open-minded, you're, you're not open to the fact that maybe this person's perspective will actually change your fucking mind, because it might, and, and, and it should at least have that possibility, because if it doesn't, then again, you're, you're not going to get anywhere. And the last thing uh, that I would say is, is, is equally important as, as to all the rest is hold yourself and your own side opinion, you know, uh, party, whatever you want to call it, to the same standard, at least, that you're willing to hold the other side to. Uh, and that's one of our, our countries, from a partisan politics standpoint, one of our biggest issues is that I'll sweep my guys, you know, transgressions under the rug, but I'm going to motherfuck the other side for doing the same thing. You know, and all that does is highlight hypocrisy and breed resentment. So, um, you know, I, I outline that really at the start of every chapter. We're going to talk about border politics. OK, remember, you know, ditch politics, religion, emotion, come in with an open mind and hold yourself to the same standard that the other guy uh, is going to be held to. And, and if you do that. When you navigate each one of these hotbed topics that I talk about in the book, um, you know, it gives you an ability to look at it very, very objectively and, and not so biased and, and toxic and poisonous and, you know, listening with the uh, with the intent to, to respond and not to understand. Yeah, and Mike, I would say probably the, the most important there to me, I would think, is emotion, uh, removing that from the conversation, because it seems today more people are so emotional, like they, they if they disagree, they come right out on the attack, and it's a personal attack against you so quickly. And, you, you yeah. know, it, what's interesting is I read a book a while back, uh, uh, How to Read a Book by Mortimer Adler, the guy that did the Encyclopedia Britannica. And I, it sounds like a trivial name to a book, but it was so important, and, and it helped me learn how to extract more out of a book. And I think there needs to be a book like How to Have a Conversation. Because it just seems like um, a proper conversation is hard to come by this day. And, and yeah. I, I wanted to jump right in here with, with as far as parenting and how this correlates to parenting, Mike, because it's a scary time right now for parents across this country. We're seeing parents be called domestic terrorists. We see this, uh, you know, they, they tell you you have no part. Stay out of the curriculum. It's none of your business. We see the CRT creeping in, critical race theory, creeping in aspects of that into the school system. We have boys that can dress up as girls. If they think they're a girl, they're allowed to use the same bathroom as your daughter. And if you think differently, you're a bigot and a racist. So it's a scary time right now in this country uh, for yeah. parents. What's your take on that? So my take is, is it's not an easy solution. Uh, there's absolutely a solution. And, and the thing that I think people need to realize is, is two things, two major components, which is number one, there's strength in numbers, right? Being labeled a domestic terrorist or not is, is that if the, the group of people who is opposing whatever is taking place is large enough, that goes a really long way. That's number one. Number two is that you know, the, the Department of Education, which started, you know, in, in the late 70s, you know, since then, and I talk about this at length in the book, is that, you know, it's the standardized na nationwide testing and, and funding, et cetera. And, and if you look at the correlation between when that started and, and look at the decline of, of our society and, and our nation as it relates to, uh, you know, our uh, our kids graduating and, and where they fall in internationally, we've we've continued to spiral downhill and we're getting worse and worse, dumber and dumber, you know, least educated. And so <clears throat> keeping that in mind is that, 
you know, all of these schools who, you know, have school boards and, and city councils that are kind of on their, their high horse about, we're going to do this, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, all of their funding relies completely on numbers, right? And so if most parents pull their kids out of school and either go to private charter schools or homeschool them, um, you know, now, now these schools don't exist, right? And, and, and so now it's, it, it completely changes kind of the, the paradigm of, of where they're coming from. And, and, and that's what's going to get their attention more than anything is that if all of a sudden, you know, the, the school populations dwindle or cut in half or, or a quarter, uh, you know, now they, they can't even fund their school to operate, let alone uh, get arrogant about it. So where the biggest pushback comes is, is not every family can do that. Well, it must be nice if you can pull your kid. I'm not saying that this is an easy solution, but, but there's a big, big fucking difference between can't and won't, you know, and, and that's really what it boils down to is how important is it to you? You know, you may have to sacrifice your, your loaded Tahoe SUV and living in the HOA. You may have to move out to a rural property, uh, you know, and, and one, one of the, the parents, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't do what they did for a living and your standard of living goes down. Wh which one is more important? Uh, those aren't easy decisions, but I agree in that when I see the things that are taking place, uh, I'm glad that my kids are a little older. Um, you know, and I'm glad that I've been around uh, what I feel like is enough to have a, a, a big enough impact and uh, and involvement in their their childhood and upbringing to where they can sift through a lot of the bullshit that they're coming across. You know, but I, I would uh, I would fear for those parents that, you know, have three, four five year old kids uh, that, that are getting ready to go into public school systems in a lot of these places. I mean, I live in Texas, which is historically more conservative than, than other places. But I will say that in the big cities, you know, here in Dallas, it's, it's not really any different uh, or it's not much different, you know. Um, and so it, it is scary. And, and I think, you know, keeping those two things in mind is, is a parent's best, um, you know, way to, to mitigate the, the toxicity that, that's being funneled into our education system from, uh, from all of these, uh, I would say, bordering on Marxist uh, type of mentality individuals that, that seem to be in positions of authority, which I, I don't understand how they're there. But yeah, and, and it seems almost uh, scarier in the college colleges around. I'll get into that in just a second. But to your point, uh, I got four kids myself and three of them go to Catholic school. One goes to vocational school. And that's a choice and a sacrifice my wife and I had to make. And each family has to make that themselves here in New Jersey, where I live last year. Uh, they decided that anal sex was going to be now a part of the school curriculum for eighth graders. And yeah. it's just I think what happened too, Mike, is that last year because of the pandemic, so many kids were home doing the school online and parents were kind of looking at the over the shoulder and seeing on it like, what the fuck is this? What, what's <laughs> going on here? Like, so I think that kind of woke a lot of parents up to what's actually happening here. But I, I know you, you're, you're, your oldest here is 16. Mine's 15, a little bit away from college. But I'm, I drive Uber on the weekends and a lot of the college kids I drive around is a $50,000 a year school, university close by where I am here, and listening to what's coming out of the mouths of these kids, uh, half of them want to be social social justice warriors or, or be, um, or, you know, whatever, activists or something like that. I'm listening to them like it, it's just mind boggling and scary for me. And I would imagine many parents, whether or not to decide to let your kids go to college, because so many of them come out hating America, wanting to be activists and stuff like that. How do you feel about your kids as they're getting to that age where college is on the table here? Similarly, I mean, you know, for me, the I, I'm not, you know, of the opinion that college is necessary, um, you know, and I would even take it a step further. And I'd say it's, it's largely unnecessary 
to, to go have that experience, a four-year college where you're, you know, the dorm and the, and the whole the whole bit where you're, you know, totally immersed in, in that type of ideology and, and uh, you know, culture, I guess, if you will. Uh, I will say that with the exception of doctors, lawyers, engineers, you know, things that are very specific skill sets that, yes, then it makes sense for you to go through uh, all of that undergrad work and, and whatever. But even with that, a lot of that can be done online. I mean, if the one, if there's one thing the pandemic uh, taught us uh, is that, is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of extra bullshit, uh, whether it's college or meetings or office spaces or, or whatever that are, are largely unnecessary. And, and so I think, uh, you know, you can do a lot of that online and then, you know, transfer over into whatever specialized uh, skill set or, or whatever school kind of highlights that, that skill set, if that's what you want to do. But, you know, for kids that don't uh, completely know what they want to do, I mean, I talk about this in the book also, is that, uh, you know, nothing teaches you more about yourself and what you want in your society than serving something bigger than yourself. You know, and, and to me, that's one of my recommendations towards the end is, you know, if, if, you don't, if you're getting ready to graduate college and you're thinking to yourself like, fuck, I have no idea what I want to do. There's no there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, and, and instead of just going to college and, and floating around and trying to, to figure out, uh, you know, what the fuck you want to do and, and ultimately be, you know, brainwashed or mentally conditioned into being a socialist, uh, join the Peace Corps or the military or be a, a big brother, big sister, uh, you know, a Boy Scout fucking troop leader. I mean, there, there's a million things you can do uh, to volunteer to, to help, you know, pick something that, that you like in, in some sort of volunteer capacity and, and do it. Uh, you know, spend a couple of years just volunteering and, and doing things for other people. And, and that will teach you, like I said, a lot about yourself and, and ultimately uh, will help get you to where you, you may decide what you want to do. At a minimum, you're at least a net positive on society while you're trying to figure out what the fuck you want to do, as opposed to just being a, a uh, you know, a, a burden and a, and a net negative, you know, soaking up your parents 401k or, or what, what have you, um, you know, that's at least you're doing something good while you're trying to, to unfuck yourself and figure out what you want. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, be half a million dollars in student tuition debt, too, which so yeah. many kids are buried in today. And, you yeah. know, and now and you 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 know, I was going to say you have parents today that are still paying their college tuition that are setting up their kids to go yeah. to college now. So it's just a revolving door. But And for what? You know, like I said, I mean, most jobs don't require a college degree. And, and you know, even if they do. There are, are much cheaper, ec more economical and, and smarter ways to go about getting a college degree. I mean, I when I was a, a still on active duty, I was, I was a SEAL instructor. I mean, I, I went to night school, uh, you know, and got my degree that way, you know. Um, and so it, it's doable without having to, you know, put yourself in, in $200,000 worth of debt. You know, if you, if you do it right, like I said, a lot of the undergrad basic stuff that everybody has to do, you can do online at a local community college or, or just a straight online university or, or what have you. Uh, and even the full program, if it's, you know, a, a lot of uh, degrees and, and bachelor programs uh, are that way. Again, unless you're, you know, an engineer or a doctor or something where it has to be at a, at a specific location doing things. So uh, I just think, you know, college at this point is, is largely a scam. Uh, you know, so so much of it isn't worth a shit. And most kids, again, unless they're in that specialized skill set, when they graduate, whatever job they're getting isn't, you know, they're not getting uh, paid a bunch more than somebody who didn't go. Uh, and most of them don't don't use or won't use their degrees anyway. Uh, you know, so uh, that's another one of those things. Similarly to, 
uh, you know, primary schooling, elementary, junior high, high school is that, you know, if, if kids largely stop going to them, uh, you know, unnecessarily, you know, that that's going to humble them a little bit too. And, and they're not going to feel so high on their horse if, uh, you know, a lot of parents aren't letting their kids go uh, to these, these schools that are brainwashing and, and uh, indoctrinating them anyway. Yeah. And, and also too, Mike, it's, it's not that education is something you get. I mean, it's something you have to earn. I mean, when I drive these kids around and I, you know, I'm late at night and I'm like, you guys got class in the morning. It's always, ah, fuck that. I ain't going to class. This and that. It's yeah. like, it's 50,000 a year they're paying. But if they miss their $20 vape pen, if they leave it in the car, they panic. It's like, you know what I yeah. mean? It's so the priorities yeah. are skewed. And uh, I, I just wanted to jump. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned uh, mental health, I believe in the book as well. And, and right now, um, the youth in this country, the, the second leading cause of death between kids 10 to 21 is suicide. And that number has gone up every year consistently since 2007, uh, which coincidentally was the first year the iPhone came out. Uh, how do you address mental health in, in this book and what, why in the world are we having so many? I, I address it this way. With the fatherless crisis, 63% of all youth suicides are coming from kids that grow up with no father in the home. So I think that plays a big part in it, too. But how do you attack mental health in the book? So maybe a little more obscurely or, or differently than I think the, the traditional or conventional method is. And, and there's a reason for it is that, you know, I don't, I don't think it really works. You know, the, the majority of the population, you know, when a, when a school shooting or a suicide happens, it's, you know, need to talk about mental health in this country. It's like, OK, let's talk about it. Like, don't don't say we need to talk about it. Let's actually talk about it. And, and again, look at the data look at what is is the contributing or what are the contributing factors to, to what is making mental health such a fucking problem in this country. And, and the reality of it is, is it's social media. It's too easy of a lifestyle where they, they have nothing else to do but to get fucking worked up over dumb shit that isn't worth being worried about. And last but certainly not fucking least is nutrition slash exercise, um, you know, is that when when a, a especially when a, a brain that is forming uh, and growing up and, and there's no mental stimulation, not not really. Um, there's no physical stimulation. Kids are lazy. You know, here's an iPad instead of get the fuck outside. Uh, and you're giving them Cheetos and Capri Suns to fuel their body. Uh, it's It shouldn't come as that big of a surprise that kids are really fucked up. You know, now throw an, an iPhone in their hand when they're 12 or in some cases five, like a lot of parents are doing. Um, and, and it's it, again, it's like, wh what do you expect when when you're you're basically stacking the deck against your your own favor uh, to be able to raise kids that uh, that are net positive and, and worth a shit and, and not all messed up? Because, um, you know, something as simple as just taking them camping, um, you know, for a few days where there's no cell phone uh, service and and you're going off of the circadian rhythm of of the sun and and the you know the sun cycle and the moon and and when you wake up you wake up because it's light out and so now what do i have to worry about well i need to worry about shelter i need to worry about food i need to worry about firewood i need to worry about where we're getting our water from uh, are we staying here tonight are we moving and and everybody who's there camping has a, a job to do, has tasks that they have to, to do, and you, and you all come together and work as a team to survive. You, you don't have time to, to get pissed about being called the wrong fucking pronoun, right? You don't, you don't have time to be worried about, you know, uh, some dipshit at school bullying you because you're, you're out digging for firewood and, and you're, you're, uh, you know, your heart rate is up and you're sweating and you're in the sun and you're, you're hydrating and you're, you're, you're thinking, you're moving, you know, all of these things play a big role. And there, there's a reason why, like wilderness therapy camps for troubled teens are so successful 
in hitting that reset button because it removes all of that bullshit. And the only thing they have to focus on is, is right here, right now. I mean, it forces you to be present and to not worry about shit because you're, you're focused on that. You know, you, you can also look at, at uh, other countries, you know, that are third world or worse and, uh, and see that, that their incidences of depression and, uh, and suicide and things like that are actually far lower than they are here. Right. Even though we would look at them and feel sorry for them and say, wow, what a shitty life they have. And they're 10 times fucking happier than we are uh, be- because they have things that, that give them purpose. It's why I've got to go get water. You know, you know, even if they have to walk two miles to go get potable drinking water, uh, you know, that gives them a sense of purpose. They're, they're doing something. They're not just sitting around coming up with reasons to be fucking miserable. And, uh, you know, we're, we're unfortunately a a victim of our own success from a societal standpoint. We've been too good for too long. And, and now you're seeing that, that crest of, you know, that adage of good times create uh, weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times create strong men. It's you know, that, that cycle we're, we're on that down cycle of good times for so long, or, or we're creating weak men, you know, and, and a society filled with weak men is, is uh, a manifestation of exactly what you're seeing right now. Yeah, and another reason why I think your book right now, Unfuck America, very important right now. We need to hear these conversations and have these conversations uh, because you're right. And I think so so much of our society right now is crumbling. And, and you even mentioned there are school shootings. It's like I would argue that like back in the 1920s, you could order a Tommy gun through the fucking mail. Like it was easier to obtain guns, yet they people weren't offing people by, you know, mass shootings and stuff like that. So something has happened along the way here mentally, uh, without a doubt. And I think a lot of it is what you just, uh, you know, brought up there where everybody is vying for your attention and spending billions of dollars to get it too. So, uh, yeah. And I, I wanted to get a hitter here too. Obviously I know they've done it here in California, but the whole idea of mandating the vaccine for kids. Now I have, uh, you know, I have a seven year old, a 10 year old as well as my teenagers. And, and, and if they do it here, I'm fucking out of Jersey. I can tell you that. But w- what is your opinion here on mandate? Now, if you would have told me, Mike, you know, five years ago, even that there was going to be a time that they were going to mandate this. And if you don't take this vaccine, you're going to lose your job. You can't travel. I would have thought you were fucking out of your mind. But this has become our reality now. What's your take on, on them doing this to kids five to twelve? I think it's uh, it's criminal. Uh, you know, I think this whole thing is overwhelmingly political, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, it, it does frighten me that uh, that there are as many people in this country as there are that, that are willing to go along with something that they can't actually intelligently explain or defend how it makes any fucking sense. Uh, you know, people that I that I otherwise largely or highly respect and, and consider pretty fucking intelligent people uh, have lost their fucking minds when it comes to, to something that seems pretty simple. Uh, I'm not anti-vaccine. I've had a lot of them. My kids have had a lot of them, uh, you know, but but to me, again, I, I, I try to remove emotion, politics, religion, come in with an open mind and say, OK, well, let's look at the data. The data doesn't lie. Right. And, and so if, if I have a, a 99.7% chance, as well as my kids, they're, they're actually even higher, um, you know, of surviving something. I'm not going to take a, a which it's actually not even a vaccine. I'm not going to take anything for that, you know, and, and I feel that way about everything now. Tetanus. Right. Yeah, I'm going to take a tetanus shot because if I get tetanus, like there's a good chance I'm going to fucking die from it. 
right? So I'm happy to take a tetanus shot and, and get boosters as often as I need, right? Even if there's an incidence of people going into anaphylactic shock, or I'm sure there are cases where people have died from getting a tetanus shot because of some weird adverse fucking reaction. I'm willing to roll the dice on that because tetanus is no fucking bullshit. Measles, polio, et cetera. All of those things are, are worth getting a vaccine for, even if there is a, a potential drawback to getting the vaccine. Uh, it's compounded even further, um, you know, and, and this is where it really, really fucking bothers me and worries me is when it also doesn't keep you from getting it or transmitting it. You know, I mean, imagine, again, using tetanus as an example, the, the mortality rate is much, much higher for that. Uh, you know, but if you get the tetanus shot and then you're exposed to tetanus, you can still get tetanus and still die from it and still spread it to somebody. Well, why the fuck am I going to get that that vaccine? then? Like, there's no reason to get it, you know, and, and so. These mandates, like they're, they're counter uh, counterintuitive, uh, they're contradictory. They make no sense. They're 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 just, I mean, flat out fucking irrational. Uh, they 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 make no sense. And again, like I don't have any skin in the game. I don't consider myself a hardcore Republican. I'm goddamn sure not a not a Democrat. Uh, I'm for sure more of an independent libertarian. There there are some social issues that I absolutely think very liberally on. There's a lot of issues that, that I think fiscally conservative or, or Republican or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, right wing. There's a lot of things where I, I think they're both equally fucked up. You know, so I, I don't have this like attachment to the vaccine. I also don't have, uh, you know, an, an automatic, uh, you know, deference to it either. I'm looking at it purely, you know, from the middle and it just doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, and I've had, I mean, I've had a, a, I had a doctor here on my, my podcast just a few weeks ago and we, we went into it pretty, pretty at length. And, and I've talked with my own family, uh, my kid's family doctor. And to date, n- nobody has, has ever been able to, to dispute or, or argue the fact that you can still get it. You can still die from it. You can still transmit it to people so that, you know, the, the, the argument always turns into, well, it's better than nothing like, no, it isn't, you know, it's not better than nothing. You know, if it has drawbacks and especially like me, like I had Valley fever back in 2004. uh, And so when I go to higher altitudes, I'm at, I had a higher incidence for blood clots, right? So, you know, like for me, it's, it's actually even more dangerous to take a vaccine than it would be to not take it. Uh, You know, and, and so even with situations like that, and most people are like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. You're still a bastard, you know, and it's such a disingenuous point of view. when when people say like, oh, you're not going to take the vaccine. So you want people to die, you know, and, and it's just like, dude, you are such a cocksucker for, for trying to, to bridge that together and, and say that, uh, you know, that, that those two things are paralleled or, or equal. Like that's such a cheap shot, uh, mentally weak chicken dick thing to say. Uh, you know, but but yet people say it, you know, and uh, and I just I really don't understand how our entire society has become so brainwashed into into having politics involved in anything. And that's, you know, again, when I talk about it in the book, why it's so important to remove it is it because most people it's like, well, I'm this. And what do, do, what do we say about this? Well, this is what I think. Like, motherfucker, think for yourself. You know, like if, if you can't defend your position, you ought to rethink it. You know, and, and, and I haven't talked to anybody yet that can can defend that position. I mean, to say, uh, you know, the unvaccinated are a threat to the vaccinated. Well, then the vaccine isn't worth a flying fuck then, <laughs> you know, because, again, if you use tetanus, like if you don't want to get a tetanus shot like that doesn't make me more or less fucking, uh, 
you know, subject to, to being infected by it. And, and it's just, I, I'm, I'm at a loss, honestly. Like I, I look around and I, I honestly, I feel like on a regular basis looking around, like, am I on a fucking hidden camera show right now? Like is, is Ashton Kutcher getting ready to jump out of the closet and tell me I'm punked? Cause this is some <laughs> of the most fucked up stuff I've ever come across. You know, uh, I, I'm just, I'm baffled by it. Yeah, Mike, I'm I'm right there with you, and so are millions of other people. I mean, I recently had Eric Trump on the podcast again here, and I and he's somebody I spoke with him about this. They called his dad a Nazi for four years, yeah. and now all of a sudden, New York, it, it, you want to go to a bar or a play or a restaurant, you have to show them paperwork that you're vaccinated, yeah. and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is okay, that's normal," and yeah. no one's even batting an eye. And, and, and to your point too, if the they, people still act like if you get coronavirus, it's a fucking death sentence, stage four yeah. pancreatic cancer. If coronavirus happens, a, if you if you got coronavirus and it was a 50-50 shot, you were live or die, you wouldn't have to bribe people with a hamburger yeah. or a fucking lottery ticket or to get the shot. shot. Yeah. I mean, I saw I saw something in uh, in some feed yesterday. There, there's some uh, uh, like sex parlor brothel thing in New York that's offering, you know, basically getting laid to get the shot. It's like these two dipshits are wearing masks while a guy's getting a shot right before he gets fucking blown by some hooker. You know, it's like. I, I couldn't agree more. It's like if if it was worth getting, you wouldn't have to tell anybody. I mean, take a look at toilet paper during during the shutdowns, right? Like you didn't have to tell people that it was important. They they thought even subconsciously uh, and and irrationally, you know, that we need to go stockpile this shit. You know, uh, like th- that's a classic example of something that you don't even need. But if people feel like they need it, you better fucking believe like they will kill each other over it. You know, I mean, people would would be fighting for vaccines and, and would be cutting people off and getting in fights in the parking lot, waiting to get fucking shots. I mean, like re- replace Corona with Ebola, right? Like a 40 percent mortality rate if you get it. And, and in some cases, much higher. You know, like if, if that was the case, dude, I'd be the first motherfucker in line for a shot. I'd be pushing old ladies out of the way to get vaccinated for that shit. You know, I'd be smuggling shit. To, I, I'd give my kids at home vaccines just to, to know that they were vaccinated if that was the case you know so like the, the fact that there's so many people that are just that heads buried in the sand fucking brainwashed about it uh it's it's really fucking scary and, and uh you know i talk a little bit about this as well is that you know i always remember growing up i was a big world war ii history buff and just just really loved that that era and was fascinated by it and, and one of the things that i always kind of wondered and questioned was how the fuck did did Germany become Nazi Germany? Like it, it, it just never never clicked. I was like, I, I just I can't understand how a population got to that point. And and now I don't wonder that anymore. You know, and, and no, this isn't me saying that right now is is 1943 Germany. It's not. It's like 1937 Germany. You know, it, it's the lead up. It's all of the things that they did and in, in the control mechanisms and and jockeying for for authority and and mandates and and all of these different legislative uh, fucking hurdles that they put up to make a population, you know, start turning on each other and dividing them and treating certain uh, parts of of the citizenry like like animals, basically. And then they didn't have any issue fucking killing them, Uh, you know, and that's where we're at. We're at the start of of what Nazi Germany was, uh, you know, before it, it came into full swing. And uh, you know, that's not a ridiculous comparison. I mean, there there are so many fucking parallels that are taking place right now and, and over the last, you know, almost two years now that, that, I mean, fucking textbook verbatim 
you know, Hitler and, and, and the Nazi party did the exact same shit, you know, and uh, I don't know how more people aren't worried about it. I, I guess they're still just too comfortable and they haven't been kicked in the nuts hard enough. You know, the, a lot of the mandates are still just they're just annoyances that people are willing to go along with, uh, not realizing that, you know, if you if you go for this annoyance and that, you know, hurdle and this, well, it's a pain, but it's not that big a deal. You know, two years later, now all of a sudden, if you compare it to, to two years ago, you're like, wait a minute, I'm a fucking indentured servant right now. What the fuck happened? Uh, you know, and, but people aren't looking at it that way. It's like uh, it's like fat people losing weight. Right. It, you know, like every time you look in the mirror, you don't really see anything. You look at, at a year's worth of progress and you're like, holy shit, I lost a, a Backstreet Boys worth of weight. So, <laughs> yeah, and I think, too, a lot of people point to Venezuela, how that happened. It didn't just happen overnight. I mean, that yeah. took a process for them, uh, yeah. you know, going from the wealthiest nation in South America to cooking their own zoo animals. It didn't happen overnight. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, listen, I, I agree. And I could talk to you at length for all this stuff. But um, and obviously, right, I, I will not be getting my kids vaccinated no matter what. And I said, if they mandate yeah. it, I'll be out of Jersey. So uh, um, unfuck them. Go ahead, Mike. No, I'm, I'm right there with it. Yeah, I, I I would not. Uh, they won't be getting it. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't think there's going to be any issue here in Texas with stuff like that. But uh, at least not right now. Uh, half of California has moved to Texas over the last two years. But uh, hopefully they don't uh, they don't try to turn it into that. But yeah. And, and it makes you wonder, too, like, is it crazy to think like what comes next behind? Is this a softening for what's coming next? And is it going to be uh, guns or a, or a health issue now? And if you don't hand over your gun, you'll lose your job or you can't travel. I mean, that sounds ridiculous. But then again, two years Not ago, so did, va- so did yeah. mandating vaccines. Yeah. No, I mean, at this point, I, I don't know. I don't know that I'd be surprised uh, at, at this point. You know, I, I don't know what would surprise me. Not much anymore. Yeah, right there with you. Unfuck America, a respectful, open-minded conversation. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. What's next for you here, Mike? What other kind of plans or projects you work? I know you got the podcast going, the mic drop. What else are you working on? Uh, the big thing is is uh, the dog food and dog treats. Uh, you know, the team dog dog food that I created uh, is, is really kind of my main focus right now and, and for the immediate future. So, just trying to grow that into you know multiple distribution centers and. Uh, and, and really hit that hard and, and build it to, to where it's a legitimate, uh, you know, dog food manufacturing company. That's uh, that's kind of the next phase of my life. I mean, I still do dog training and I still sell, you know, personal protection dogs, work with departments and, and uh, you know, pet dogs through the online training and stuff. But uh, but the main main kind of project uh, after this book uh, and, and even during, frankly, is, is really the dog food. So if you want to check that out, really anything that I have going on, you can get signed books and bundles at, uh, at MikeRutlandCo.com uh, or just Google my name. And the first website that comes up is, is my store shop. So uh, all the all the dog food treats, the, the books, the uh, online training, all of it is available there. So. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'll drop all them links that will be, be in, in the description of the podcast. I thought of you right away, too, Mike, when Fauci was linked to that uh, problem with sticking beagles and, and torturing yeah. them dogs. Uh, I thought of you right away. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that uh, it, for, for me is, is really, really hard to, to deal with. You know, um, I mean, I already didn't like the guy. Um, you know, when I see stuff like that, I, I, I really, for my own sanity, have to kind of remove myself and, and just fucking, you know, turn away from it and, and, uh, and turn a blind eye in terms of my initial gut reaction, because, uh, you know, me, me acting emotionally on it is not going to do anybody good. Uh, you know, so I, uh, it's fucking shitty to see, you know, there's no, no two ways about it. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Mike, second time around with this. I love to ask all the dads that get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? 
Well, start out by choking yourself. Uh, no, the uh, <laughs> you know to me realize that you're not going to get it right um, with every fucking thing. You're like you're gonna mess things up. You're gonna make mistakes. Give yourself the uh, the flexibility to do that, but also hold yourself accountable. I think it's easy for uh, people to hear something like that, um, you know, and say, well, I'm going to fuck it up. So I'm not worried about like, no, I mean, learn from your mistakes and, and hold yourself accountable. Have a have a criteria, a minimum standard and try to meet that. Just realize that there's going to be times where you fuck that up. You, you got to learn from it and move on. You know, I think it's easy as a parent to, you know, make a mistake and then dwell on it. Um, the second thing is lead by example. Um, you know, that's one of the things I talk heavily about in, in the book is that if everybody sets the standard and lives, uh, you know, to the standard that they want everybody else to live to, you know, as a mean collective average, our society goes from here way the way the fuck up to here, you know. And so your kids are, are sponges and, uh, you know, they pay attention to everything, as, as you well know. And so, uh, you know, the. The do as I say, not as I do, that that breeds resentment in kids the same way it does in a society. Uh, you know, the rules for me, rules for thee, not for me type of mentality is, is toxic and, and your kids are going to resent you for it. So uh, do the right thing. Uh, show them how to how to live. Don't don't tell them how to live and then do the opposite uh, and, and go the extra mile. You know, do all the little things. Make sure that you talk to them and, and uh, you know, let them know that they're important, but not unnecessarily. You know, don't blow smoke up their ass and, and turn them into entitled little dipshits, uh, you know, but make sure that they know that uh, that you're there for them and, and that it's your job to turn them into a, a good, good natured, productive, uh, honest citizen. Yeah, well spoken as always. Uh, I love the message. Been an honor to have you back here. Mike Ritland, your first class father all the way. And thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Mike Ritland for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you check out Mike Ritland's new book, Unfuck America. The link to the book is in the description of today's podcast episode. Also, take a look at the Warrior Foundation and Tricos International. All the links are there in today's show notes. Be sure you take advantage of my partnership with MyPillow, the lowest price in history for the MyPillow Classic. The pillow that used to go for $69 is now $19.98. You're going to get a $50 savings. Go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD. Help support the podcast here and save some big dough on your Christmas shopping this season. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's Got us all feeling so